Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. How are you doing today? So glad to have you here with us. I appreciate the time you take out of your day to listen in. I hope that each and every time we're helping you make a little needlepoint shift to grow just a little bit in your life or in your business. You know, we talked about last week the fact that if you thrive in your life, then you'll thrive in your business. If you're not thriving in life, your business is going to suffer. Now, there are a lot of people that have become experts at having a thriving business and being horrible human beings, just, you know, bad at all of their other relationships, everything, you know. Um, I always think of Andrew Carnegie and how after he had amassed the enormous fortune that was U.S. Steel, um, he basically broke down. He had a mental breakdown um, because it hadn't meant anything. There was no meaning in his life. And so foundations like the Carnegie Foundation happened because, uh, you know, he was excellent and was, and maybe thriving actually is the wrong word. He was extremely succeeding. I don't know whether you want to really say he was thriving in business or not, because I'm not sure if that's possible for you to have a completely broken life um, and a successful business and call that thriving that um to me that would be a different definition um you know at the end of the day i say to you many uh, often if not on just about every show that at the end of the day thriving is what does that mean to you for some people it means one thing and for others the thing that would mean thriving to you would just be, well, basically hell for them, <laughs> you know? And that's okay. That's no judgment on you, and that's no judgment on them. It's just simply a matter of each of us as individuals have different things that really are not just success, but thriving, enjoyment, fulfillment, completion of life. Um, you know, I know one of the things that a lot of us fall into the uh, the trap of is trying to win. You know what I mean? It's like, if I just race and I can be the best, then I'll be the victor. But we have to understand, um, you know, we don't want to get to that end. We want to continue growing for there to be more for the next challenge. I'm not saying that, you know, you don't in many cases have a business that that business goes to its completion, you sell it off, you make a ton of money. Uh, I'm absolutely for that. But the point is, is that your race, your life is still continuing on. You don't want to get to that end point because that end point is you're passing on to the next. You know, you're no longer here in the form that we now know you as. And, um, you know, whatever different uh, belief system you have, um, you know, that would be quote unquote the finish line. Um, 
And you don't want to get there. You don't want to race there. You want to be victorious in your own life, but running the race. You want to be in the competition, in the thick of it. Does that make sense? So I hope maybe that uh, was a breakthrough for some people and you can release from yourself that pressure of winning, of beating everybody else to the finish line because that's not really where you're headed. You're, you're headed towards the best life you can live, towards thriving. I love it when Nafisa Shireen's been on the show. She's been on a couple of times. And she always talks about, um, you know, the concept of success and what kind of life do you want? If you really are a homebody and you don't want to travel, then being on the road 300 days out of the year, that's not you succeeding. That's not you creating the life you want. That's you performing, really. Um, and as a person who, you know, my whole life, I just did a post yesterday, if you're, um, well, if you were listening while I'm recording this, <laughs> yesterday from when I'm recording, um, I did a post there was a repost from two years ago, um, and I talked about at the beginning of that that you know I've traveled all around the world, um, you know, as a singer, as a musician, as a um, as an evangelist, different things, different places, uh, different times in my life, and those were all really good, but life isn't over yet. I have lived that performer lifestyle. And I've lived on both sides of that equation where you're doing it because it's your passion. I loved, uh, don't get me wrong, I love singing. I loved traveling around the country. And there was a point in my life when I was a young man where, um, you know, living on the bus like I did in summer of 1985, I actually literally took our bus number and started using that as my return mail address. Because I just wanted to live on the road. I loved it. I loved new houses, new hotels, whatever it was. We spent a lot of time, you know, because it was a mission type of tour group is what the Continentals was. Um, you know, most of the nights we spent in somebody's house uh, with somebody from that church. And, you know, I loved the new places, new things every day. Uh, no, I did not love the time that I got really sick. Uh, that is never fun anywhere. But but even with that, I, I have some good memories of being sick in France and and uh, and uh, overcoming that and uh, communicating with the mother of the house that we were staying in that I was sick, that I was not intending to be rude and refusing food. You know, because as a mom, you know, universal sign of love is feed the child, right? Um, especially an 18-year-old boy, it's like, look, if an 18-year-old boy isn't eating, there's something wrong, you know? What am I doing wrong as a mom? And, and to be able to express to her, no, it's not you, I don't feel well. And then, of course, totally mom mode kicked in. Um, you know, sometimes I always say the rabbit trail is better than the whole sermon. That was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I loved traveling, and yet there was a point in my life, in my early to mid-30s, where the being on the road that I was doing for work, I hated it. All I wanted to do was just be home, 
to sleep in my own bed. Um, and so it doesn't have to be a permanent thing that what kind of life do you want to live? But you do need to, in order to thrive, you do need to be on the road or off the road uh, in a big house or in a small house with your children or, you know, without, uh, all in the way that's going to help you thrive. I like this stage in my life now that I'm at where our children are all grown and it's just Kathy and I and the dog here and, um, you know, the little dog, Mocha, you've heard her bark sometimes on the show. She's plenty uh, demanding enough, but I, I like the place that our life's at right now. It's good for me at 51. This would not have been a good life for me at 19, but it is right now. And I know that transition is coming, and that's okay. So the point is to thrive in your life and in your business. Now today, the reason why I rambled all of this, and I hope I didn't lose you in the ramble, hopefully you stuck through to be like, what in the heck are you talking about, Steve? Um, is because today I really want to talk about the plan and then the replan, you know, the original intention, the trouble comes in, and the fact that there's still a plan, there's still a way to get there. Um, and I really want to talk to you about how to replan when trouble comes up and how to also see that some of the things you're going through, that wasn't the plan. Um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, for those of you who have never caught at the intro, I am a third generation minister and there is going to be a little bit of uh, Bible examples in this. I'm going to try really hard not to turn this into a sermon. Um, in fact, it won't be, but I really want to talk about how to plan and how to replan so that we can all live our lives as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today we want to talk about planning and replanning, about the purpose and our destiny, and about how that still comes out, and about looking at life situations and really being able to evaluate are they plan, are they replan, are they purpose, or are they because of decisions we made. I think it's real easy for us all as people to um, to play the blame game. 
you know, to look for fault. I have a friend of mine, in fact, it's Ernie Villanueva, you guys have maybe listened to that episode. Um, you know, he says that people look for fault like there's money in it. They go around, you know, and this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong. And I want to try to encourage you today to flip that script. Look in, you know, sometimes we have to identify why something is wrong, but we need to see that rather than being an expert at wrong, we need to be an expert at the plan and the purpose. And so I really want to talk to you today about plan and purpose, about planning and replanning. Um, you know, and, and I warned you just before the commercial break, and I hope you'll stick with me. Even if you are not a Christian, I think all of the things that I'm going to talk about are universal enough that um, I don't want to offend your particular beliefs, but I do have to kind of give you the background of why I'm saying what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, I apologize in advance if you if you feel offended. That's not my intent. But I do also have to be genuinely who I am. And I hope you'll give me grace for that. Um, and that's why I, I preface that on purpose because I'm getting ready to tell you a Bible verse. And, and I am going to use some Bible characters throughout the course of this. There is a verse in the Bible. And, you know, my father's a minister. My mom, you know, a minister's wife and the daughter of a minister. So she's been in the Bible. You know, she's read the Bible a few times is what I'm trying to say. And she will often send to me the verse... I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And the reason why I bring that up is because I need you to understand the foundational principle that I have in life. And that's that I believe God wants good for you. Um, I believe that his plan in a perfect world, we do not live in a perfect world. Please hear me on that. We don't live in a perfect world, and so there is a constant readjustment. There's plan, and then there's replan. But in a perfect world, God wants only the best for you. He wants your life to be perfect and to prosper and to be awesome and amazing. But, as I said, things happen. Now, if we lived in a perfect world, we would live in the world that God created for Adam and Eve. Now think about it, they lived in the garden, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day every day, um, you know, he named all the animals, so therefore at the very least, the food chain was different, or people were not uh, attacked by predator, predatorial animals, or however that works, I don't know, I wasn't there, okay, but there was a, there was a level of peace, a level of safety, and an intentionality of eternity, you know, that death was not a part of the original plan. And that lack of relationship with God, with the creator of all things, with the universe, with, with all of this stuff, that that was the intention. That is the picture of the perfect world. Um, but we're people and we have free will. And of course, nine times out of ten, uh, you know, we end up using our free will for stupid stuff. Let's just be honest. Every single one of us, uh, you know, is guilty of that. Um, and, uh, you know, so we move on through history and we begin to see uh, how our stupid decisions have impact on other people. And how other people's stupid decisions have impact on us. Um and so we don't live in that perfect world. And that's my point, is 
In a perfect world, though, your life would be amazing. It would be perfect. You would be going from prosper to prosper, from uh, win to win, and you would not know the need for replan. You would inherently, from birth, know and live in your purpose. Uh, and that's a big thing because most of us, the way that, if you'll forgive my rant for a second, the way that the school systems are set up, we don't teach children to live their purpose. We teach them to be part of a cookie cutter. We teach every single child the same exact stuff. And we pop them out of the end of high school or college or whatever with, um, you know, liberal arts High, you know, college degree, you know, a master's degree that means nothing because never in the process of 22 years did we ever drill down to who are you, what is your purpose in life. Um, and so as a society, we're not good at helping young children find their purpose. And that's why, for those of you that are coaches like I am, you know, I've been coaching for way more than 30 years now. I, I started uh, way before they called it coaching, basically, is the, is the easy answer. And, um, you know, that's why a lot of what we work with with people is, what is my purpose? What is that thing? What should I be doing? Um, that's why I love the book writing sessions, because the perfect world perfect world. There you go. I just told you it's not a perfect world. And then I tell you, in a perfect world. Um, a person comes to the call. I love it when they come to the call and they're like, oh, I haven't planned at all. I, we need to reschedule because I'm just not ready for this. And I, you know, just say to them, hey, let's, let's just see what happens. Let's see what needs to come out. Um, I think of Matt Gill's book, uh, Get It, uh, Gotta Get It, Give It. And um, Matt he canceled like three or four times and wanted to try to cancel on me again. And I just said, you know what, Matt, let's just do this. Let's just see what comes out. Let's just try it and see what happens. And it's an amazingly powerful book um, all about Matt's journey through the stuff he put himself through from a good family to a really horrible life to back to being the powerful person. Any of you that know Matt Gill, Matt is such an amazing person um, and such a good friend. He's somebody that I really feel privileged to know and to call a friend in my life. And, um, you know, the, the whole book, it's not like he hadn't already lived his life. I've told people before, it's like, you don't need to practice for this. Uh, you've, you've been you your whole life. You are absolutely ready to tell your story because it's yours. Um, and that's what's really fun about the book writing session is, is that there's been many times when a person's whole purpose has come out in the course of that hour to an hour and a half. Um, and maybe we don't get every word of the book, although there have been some where we've gotten pretty close. Uh, you know, we get the germ of that thing and, and the thing that just really allows a person to explode into their purpose. Uh, but imagine in a perfect world, in a, in a Garden of Eden type of world, where you're born knowing your purpose and you go from victory to victory. That's what I believe was the intention. And I believe when each of us is born, there's two things that are happening simultaneously. 
And these two things are in a dichotomy to each other. So I want you to really understand that I know that they're in conflict of one another. Because on the one hand, I believe very strongly that God wants the absolute best for you every moment of your life. That that's his plan. That he has this perfect straight road that nobody's going to ride on where everything goes perfect in your life and you have an amazing life. doesn't work that way. But that, I think that's his plan. Um, you know, then there's the other side of the equation. And that's the fact that God chose you. God wants you. I love T.D. Jakes' quote. I use it all the time. God was so interested in you being on this planet that he didn't care what, I mean, or he did care. He moved heaven and earth is probably a better way of saying it. What two people it took to make you. At a specific millisecond in time, two people compatible or incompatible, got together, they created life. Their DNA mixed perfectly into you. And so first of all, I want to encourage some of you, because it's real easy to fall into that woe is me, I'm a loser trap. I've been there. Depression is easy. Um, you know, and I don't mean to make light of anybody that's feeling depressed because I still have days when I'm down, okay? I'm not just somebody who runs around giddy. Um, I think I'm pretty happy-go-lucky, but it's not a matter of a judgment against you, but just simply a matter of understanding that you're already a winner because you exist. The two people that had to get together at the exact microsecond in time for you to be created did when abortion is something that is an option when miscarriages happen when there are birth defects and all kinds of other situations and uh, natural disasters and everything that causes people to not live as long as you've lived whatever age you are right now um, you're still here you made it to life, and you've made it through life to this point. So I want you to really embrace the victory that is, you're already a winner. You know, instead of looking for that finish line, look at the fact that you already crossed the past, and you're still here to be able to live today and move into the future. And I hope that you will find and embrace the purpose for which you were created, because... You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world does need you. So we have a purpose in our life. And that's a perfect planned out purpose that we all of us were made for. That when we live in it, the world is a better place. Um, you know, and then life happens. <laughs> and I don't want to make light of that because there's some awful stuff that happens in people's lives. Things that are unfathomable to me because in perspective to what they've been through, I've never dealt with anything. Not in comparison. And life isn't a comparison because that's not fair. Um, but I know because I get to be with you when you're writing your story and pouring your heart out 
And I know that some of what you've been through is miserable. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. That I don't take lightly the gifting that's been given to me. And I don't want to tread lightly on on you, I guess is the best way of saying it. So I get it that there are many of you listening who you've had some hard knocks in life. I want you to understand everybody has free will. I remember one time I was talking to a lady in our house um, and she was saying to me, she's like, uh, I can't believe in God. It's absolutely impossible for me to because my mom prayed every single day and something bad still happened to my sister and she was killed by a drunk driver. And how could God allow that to happen? Um, and, and I don't want to make light of things. So I know some of you have had horrible traumas in your life, so I'm trying to speak very gently. But we all have free will. We have freedom of choice. And the same freedom of choice that we enjoy that allows us to do things that, big or small, maybe not at that level, but, you know, let's face it, we've made mistakes too. The same free will that allows us to do that is the same free will that allowed that person to make the choice to drink, to make the choice to drink in excess, to make the choice to then get behind the wheel of the car and drive when they had no business. This isn't my way of saying don't drink. Um, Anybody that knows me knows that I've tried just about any kind of drink you can imagine, and I always say I don't know why anybody would put cough medicine inside a perfectly good Mountain Dew. Um, (laughs) But that's not because I'm against it. It's just because I don't like it. That's okay. But there's things and then there's things in excess. There's mistakes that get made. There's decisions that have consequences. And when we, uh, you know, we often end up falling prey to those consequences. Um, And it's so awful. I feel for you for the consequence that you're living through that was not yours by intention. And it's now not fun to live through. But the number one thing you have to understand is that is not your purpose. And that was not the plan. We'll be right back to talk more about what is the plan on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance 
with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today we're talking about your purpose, about plan and replan, about how life happens. And sometimes the path that you're meant to be on, you're not on. But today I'm here to share with you the good news that no matter how far off of your path you are, that how far away from the perfect plan that should have been your life you are, that you know that that wasn't the plan and that there is a way to be able to replan. Now, I warned you that I was going to use a couple of Bible verses, Bible figures um, as examples um, because I think they drive home. I think we all know the basics of the story at least well enough that regardless of belief system, we can understand the concepts that I'm going to try to put forth here. Um, And when it comes to having a purpose and a plan that didn't go the way it was supposed to, the person I always think of is Joseph. You know, Joseph was the 11th of 12 children, but he was the oldest of his father's favorite wife. Now, we could talk the whole rest of the show about, you know, being married to two women and blah, 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 and all of that, but I... Joseph was the 11th child, the oldest to his father's favorite wife. And it's made very clear in the Bible story that he was his father's favorite. That he, that his father did play favorites um, and that it was totally Joseph who he preferred. And his brothers didn't like it. And who can blame them? I mean, who would like to live through life knowing that you're not the favorite? Um, And his father bought him gifts that he didn't buy others and all of those kind of things. And it created a whole lot of hostility from his older brothers. And then his father sent Joseph to go tell his brothers to do something. Now, any of you that are older brothers and sisters, you know what I mean. Any of you that are like me are the little brother. Um, You'll also understand this story because... Older siblings do not like the younger sibling coming and telling them what to do, even if the parent is the one that told them to do that. Now, I'm a parent of six kids, so I've definitely told older and younger to go and tell, you know, brothers and sisters to do whatever. It happens, okay? It's not a critique on parenting. Um, But he told them to go do something, and the brothers did not want to hear it. And as a younger sibling, and as his father's favorite... I'm sure Joseph did not spend time trying to figure out how to present the information that his father told him to give to his brothers in a diplomatic and clear way that would allow his brothers to keep their dignity intact. I'm sure that was not on his mind at all. He was a little brother. (laughs) And so he went ahead and delivered the message to his brothers. And they were out in the wilderness tending sheep. And they were like, hmm. So our annoying little brother, 
again, some of you that are older siblings know what I'm talking about. Our annoying little brother is here, and Dad's nowhere close. So now is our opportunity to pick on him. No, that's never happened to any other sibling before, but in Joseph's case, it happened. <laughs> um, and they really wanted to kill him. They really hated him. And I don't want to go into the whole story and the depth and all of that, but at the end of the day, um, his brothers sold him into slavery to the people in Egypt. And, you know, Joseph got carted off to Egypt, and his brothers told his father that they found his, uh, you know, the remains of his clothes all bloody and torn, um, and Joseph had been mauled to death by a lion. And, um, you know, and then that way they had gotten rid of their little brother. Now, again, I know some of you that are older siblings are like, oh, man, I didn't know that was an option. I'm going out to get that done right now. Um, no, you're probably old enough now that you've probably moved past that point with your sibling, but you can relate. Joseph goes to Egypt as a slave, um, but he has a purpose. There's a plan. And so, um, you know, Joseph becomes, uh, you know, he's in Potiphar's house. He ends up becoming the head, top guy in Potiphar's house, running all of the house, all of the other servants, all of the slaves in Potiphar's house. Um, and, of course, you've all probably heard the story, and Potiphar's wife wants Joseph, and Joseph doesn't want to do that and, um, and then she tells her husband that he did anyway and Joseph gets carted off to prison and he lives in prison for years and years um, and then you know the cupbearer and the cook for the king uh, have dreams and Joseph interprets the dreams and uh, long story short the, the dream comes true for both of them one man rises back to uh, to power with the Pharaoh and the other man's killed just like Joseph said was going to happen and uh, Joseph's only request to the one that was going to you know get his job back was when you're there tell Pharaoh about me see if there's any way that maybe possibly you could get me out of jail you know, I've been here for like seven years now, and I didn't do anything to begin with. Um, and the guy forgets him. Until one day, Pharaoh has a dream, and uh, Joseph interprets that dream. You know, the guy remembers Joseph all of a sudden, um, and they bring Joseph because nobody else can figure out what the dream means. And Joseph interprets the dream, and Pharaoh's like, because of your wisdom, I'm going to make you my second in command. And... Um, you know, and there's all kinds of fun stuff. We could dive deep into some of the archaeology shows that I've seen that prove and disprove Joseph and all that kind of stuff. But just go with the story with me, okay? Um, because it proves the point. It illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. Um, and the point is, is that Joseph then became second in command in Egypt. Um, and the outcome of that was his whole family was able to come to Egypt and survive a famine. Now here's the point that I told that whole story for you. Thank you for those of you that really aren't in the Bible or never heard it before for going through that with me. Um, you needed to hear that because you need to understand the story well enough to be able to um, 
to get the point of what I'm talking about. That wasn't the purpose. That wasn't the plan. That was a replan. Joseph's brothers were wrong for selling him into slavery. I hope all of you understand that as annoying as your little brother may be, and yes, as little brothers, we can be very annoying, um, the plan is not okay for us to be sold into slavery or abused or any of the other kinds of things like that. That's not okay. That's not cool. But it happened. And things happen in our lives. Things that are not our fault. Things that um, we don't deserve. Because when bad happens to us, it's not a outcome of, you know, you're somebody's favorite and the other person's jealous. Or, um, you know, you were doing nothing and somebody made a choice. That's not on you. You were a child. And what was done to you was just wrong. And that took you away from perfect plan. But now there's replan. See, I personally believe in a God that had the ability to be able to have, without Joseph being sold into slavery, without Joseph having spent years in prison, for Joseph to have risen to power in Egypt or whatever the plan was to have saved his family from the famine. I believe very strongly that that was the plan. Um, I'm even willing to entertain the possibility that, um, that God had a purpose for saving the country of Egypt and that was his plan was for Joseph to save not only just his own family but the whole entire country of Egypt um, but I don't think he needed to be sold into slavery, to be taught, to have his father be told that he was murdered, um, to live in prison, and to be away from his family for years and years and years. I think there was a straight line from a child who was married, maybe very possibly arrogant, um, and more loved by his father than his father loved any other children, to a person who was wise and mature and who did not murder his brothers when he could have, but rather invited his family in and forgave and rose to power in Egypt and helped save both his family as well as the whole, uh, you know, the whole of Egypt. See, there's a plan. There's a straight line plan. We don't live almost ever on that straight line. But we can then after the plan gets destroyed because of an evil person's choices. Or maybe not even an evil person. Maybe it's somebody who's a really wonderful person and they just screwed up. That happens. You know, many of us, like myself, like Kathy, you know, this is our second marriage for both of us. Um, and divorces happen. Now, personally, I've told people many times, I think divorce is that option when, uh, you know, you would go to prison because you really want to kill the person. You're probably better to get divorced than, you know, to take it to that level. But I know a lot of people that their divorce, uh, you know, was relatively amicable. They just 
got to a place where they knew they weren't meant to be together and they moved on. Um, or maybe even the other one of the people in, in the marriage did some things that, you know, were, uh, you know, they were deal breakers for the relationship. Doesn't necessarily make them evil because they did something in that moment. Um, now, for those of you that, uh, you know, really struggle with forgiveness for your ex like I do, and I'll just be really brutally honest about it. Um, you know, I'm a work in progress in that place. Um, you know, that's okay. You are where you are right now. Um, and uh, I'm not trying to advocate for them for what they did. The point being is, is that whether malicious and intentional or accidental, bad things happen in our lives. And when those bad things happen, we have our plan derailed. It doesn't go the direction we had intended for it to, and rather it is off the tracks. But we can replan. And that's where that knowing your purpose is so important, because you can take a day. Sometimes you just need to be sad, go through the grieving process. I'm not wanting or expecting you to be a robot at all. Um, But I do know that at some point we have to get up, dust ourselves off, wipe away the tears, and we need to move forward. And what I know is, is that it's our purpose that propels us beyond the pain back into the plan. And that's where we need to replan. Because for a day, a week, a month, years, decades, whatever, we have gotten off the cars. And there has to be a reconnect. There has to be a detour that brings us back to the direction we were supposed to go. Think about it. Have you ever had a detour sign, you know, and it tells you to turn right here, um, you know, and then you get to a little ways down the road and it tells you now turn left here, and then you get a little ways down the road and it says now turn left here, and then, you know, and eventually you turn right again and you're back on the same path, going the same direction you were going. You didn't go the direct route. You went around the detour. Often what we end up doing is we get to one of those turn here signs and we don't turn to the detour that's going to take us back to our path. And then we live, um, you know, in a difficult place at least. (laughs) Uh, There's probably bigger words than that for it, but we end up living in a very uncomfortable, difficult spot because we're totally off the path. Just like if you don't turn at the detour, a lot of detours, depending on you know where they are, you're going to end up someplace where either the road just ends or you're in some really sketchy spot and you're just like, how do I get out of here? I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's important to eventually get to the place 
where we want to allow the detour to bring us back to replan. That's powerful. You have the ability to be able to replan. You see, here's the exciting thing. Today, you have the power. Not like He-Man, but, <laughs> but um, you have the ability to take whatever was and replan. To know your purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do in life. And find the road that puts you back on that path. Look for the detour signs that are going to bring you back to the road. Get on your, you know, mental GPS and map out how do I get to that place I was intending to go, to that place that I purposed to be and to go to and to do so that you are fulfilling that so important purpose that only you can fulfill in the world. We have that power right here, right now, today, to look at where we're headed. And maybe you're on the path. So I don't want you to think that because you got detoured that, you know, you're like lost and you can never get back. Maybe you've already taken most or all of those turns. Maybe there's one more turn up ahead or maybe you're back on the road. But if you're not, you have the ability right now, today to make the choice to get back on the path to replan this is my purpose in life this is what I know I was meant to do I remember um, many things have hijacked me in life but I remember there was uh, almost a decade and this was after Kathy and I got married um, I had had many many hard hits and the divorce of my parents after like 44 years that happened less than a month it, you know it started there's court stuff but they split from each other less than a month after Kathy and I got married it really attacked me in a way that all the other things I had been through hadn't been able to quite break through and I spent about a decade wallowing is really the only word and the reason why I say to you so often that you are uniquely brilliant, that you were created for a purpose, and the world needs you, is because the first person that I had to say that to was myself. And I still have to say it. I had to say it over and over and over and over and over again until I started living and acting that way. The radio show, you know, I've told you many times over, it's like my guilty pleasure. I love doing it. You know, Kathy encouraged me, oh gosh, probably six to ten years before I started the radio show that I should have one. I should have been, probably, um, one of the very first podcasts that were ever out there. Um... But, you know, I wasn't ready, and that's okay. 
it's not a matter of beating myself up over the choices that I made and the time that I spent, but it's a matter of I understand your pain because I've been there. And I know what it's like to just get comfortable in, for lack of a better term, misery. <laughs> Is kind of really how it, it all comes together. And uh, what I know is, is it's our purpose that drives us. Our purpose propels us to our destiny. You have a, a purpose. The world has a need for you to fulfill that only you can. You know the whole entirety of book one that I split out from my book is all about purpose. And the reason why it's book one is because embracing that purpose is the number one thing you've got to do. Without that, you really are lost. You need to know that your purpose is so powerful I wanted to propel you forward, to drive you, to be your best. And if you can latch a hold of that, then you can move on to what's in book two, and that's to motivate yourself. To say encouraging things to you. That you are uniquely brilliant, you are created for a purpose, the world needs you was mine. It's the mantra that I share with you to be able to empower you. You may need one of your own, and that's okay. The point is to find it, to embrace it, and then make the decision to get back on the path and then start making plans. Now, to make the plans, they can't just be pie in the sky, someday I'm going to do blah, 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 or this is where I'm going to go. They need to be concrete. They need to be written down. They need to have by wins. I love how Lisa, Lisa Nichols teaches that if it's not a date and time on the calendar that I can circle it, I can put in my calendar by 2 o'clock on you know, the 24th of then it's not actually a date. It's not actually a commitment for a buy-win. It's just kind of a concept. So begin to start making those kind of plans. That's what's going to help you get back. Embrace your purpose. Know that no matter how badly hijacked you've been, now is your day to get up, to dust yourself off, to know that that wasn't the plan, and to be able to replan so that you can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author 
do for your business. Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. I hope today was able to be able to encourage you that no matter how far away from the plan that is the plan for your life you feel like you are, that you can embrace the fact that there is a plan and that you can replan, that today can be your day to pick yourself up, to dust yourself off, and to really go for it in a way that you never have before. Now, here's a couple of things I'm going to share with you to help you really be able to take action on that. Number one is, um, you know, you need to stop the isolation. Almost always, when we're off of our plan, we isolate ourselves and we convince ourselves that nobody really has been through what we've gone through and that nobody's totally going to understand. you got to understand that that's not true. It's the natural human tendency, but it's not real. So stop the isolation. Get out there. Be part of network groups, communities, um, churches, whatever. Things that are going to propel you, that are going to help you move forward to that thing that you're meant to do. Um, And then secondly, you need to really look at your purpose and know what that purpose was so that you can understand your gift was never meant for you. It's meant for the people that you're meant to share it with, to serve the people whose lives your purpose, your plan can impact, can change. Once you've got a full grasp of the fact that there are other people who are where you've been, you can then begin to live outside of yourself and embrace the fact that other people need to know where to go. They need to know how to survive the thing that you survived through. If you've taken some steps, they need to know the steps that you've taken back to your path. If you're back on your path, if you have replanned, they need to be taught how to replan because they've been through that thing that you thought you were never going to get out of. So they need help. They need to be encouraged and be aspired. There are people in our lives that are 5, 10, 20. Sometimes they feel like they're 100 steps ahead of us. And that's good. Because they inspire us and give us hope and examples of how life can be different. But just as there's people that you look up to, 
there are people that are looking up to you. I love it the other day, Kathy actually said, you're somebody's Oprah. Just as much as you may look at an Oprah or a Maya Angelou or a, you know, whoever that person might be, you can be that, you are that for somebody else. They're so far, uh, you know, they're so new into the process that they can't imagine ever getting to that Oprah level. But they see you and they can be inspired by you. And that's pretty freaking amazing. I hope you really understand that. You can embrace it. And then what I'd love to see you do is begin to share with the world. Now, of course, you know that because it's what Kathy and I do, we would love to see you write, publish, and market your book to bestseller. And then to turn it into a class that you could teach other people how to get from where they are in life and replan and be on the path that they were always meant to be. I hope that you will share your message with the world, that you will share your story, that you will share them as words of encouragement to help those people that are behind you, that person that right now as I'm talking is searching on Google for an answer that you have, an answer that maybe is so easy for you that you have discounted how powerful it really is. That all starts by just taking the first step. It's an easy step. Join us in our free group. It's called Bestsellers Guild. You can go on Facebook and search Bestsellers Guild, or you can go to bestsellersguild.com and ask to join the group. It's a free group, and it's where authors come together to be able to share and grow and become bestsellers. And we would love for you to be our next bestseller because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world does need you. Please know that Kathy and I are here to do everything that we can to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, I hope that you have an amazing and great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.